Good morning. I'm Patrick Cole of the Idaho Potato Commission. I'm Vice President of Legal and Government Affairs, and you're listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 107 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Patrick Cole from the Idaho Potato Commission, and we will talk about certification marks and geographical indicators. But before we jump into the interview, I have some news for you. The German publisher Juve has just published an interview with Alexander Ramsey, the head of the UPC Preparatory Committee. And he is quite confident that the German Constitutional Court will decide the UPC complaints in early 2020 so that the UPC will become operational early 2021. And he is also quite confident that the UK will be part of the UPC system. The USPTO has recently published a new tool called Patents View. PatentsView is a patent data visualization and analysis platform and it has a great API and application programming interface where developers can interface their own products with the databases of the USPTO. The visualization interface provides the general public unique ways to interactively explore 40 years of US patent data. Also, the USPTO has just published an update to subject matter eligibility. On the USPTO website, a lot of examples for eligibility are published. So there are examples of what subject matter is eligible, patent eligible, and what subject matter is not patent eligible. And also there is a chart of subject matter eligibility court decisions that is quite useful. And now let's jump into the interview. I'm very excited to be joined by Patrick Cole today. If you don't know who Patrick is, he is the Working Group Co-Chair and Vice President Legal and Government Affairs of the Idaho Potato Commission. And he is the person who makes sure that only potatoes from Idaho can be called Idaho potatoes. Thank you for being on the show, Patrick. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. You have been working on this topic and especially on certification marks and geographic indicators for a long time. Um, maybe you can first briefly tell our listeners uh, the difference and what are geographic indicators and what are certification marks. Absolutely. So certification marks uh, are a system that was developed in the United States back in the uh, late middle 40s, 1940s. Uh, and became part of the Lanham Act when it was uh, a first, uh, that's where it was first introduced. And basically, certification marks are used in a wide variety of applications. For example, Underwriters Laboratories uses it to certify safety and that their standards are met. 
for particular electronic products. We use it in the food context primarily to certify origin and quality of the food product that's being certified. Certification marks are unique in that the entity that does the certification can't be the entity that actually produces the product. So we're an independent third party that assures that the standards are being met. Geographic indicators differ in that regard in that it is the producer group that actually uh, has uh, the ownership of the indicator. And it can be for a broad array of products. It's primarily been used in the food context, but it's also now being used in the context of clothing and other types of products as well. Yes. Um, and you are basically the watchdog for Idaho, for the potatoes from Idaho. Um, this is a really long tradition. I I lived in the U.S. for a couple of years, and of course, Idaho is famous for the potatoes from there. So how long is uh, the, the state of Idaho already enforcing the good name of Idaho for potatoes? Do you have an idea? Yes. Uh, we first started looking at protection in the 1960s, um, and it was uh, about that time that the first certification mark application was filed with the US Patent and Trademark Office. I became involved in the mid 1980s when I was a, a deputy attorney general. There were a number of potato growers that showed up one day at our office and they were complaining about people in New York uh, selling potatoes that weren't from Idaho but were in Idaho potato containers. So that's where I cut my teeth to use a bad pun uh, on this topic. And over the years, um, I worked on it, uh, and then eventually um, they asked me if I would become part of the office team, and that took place in 1996. So I've been essentially an in-house attorney protecting the Idaho potato name since that period of time. All right. And um, when you find people labeling Uh, potatoes as Idaho potatoes without having the right to do that. Um, do you usually first like send a warning letter or do you immediately take any, do you instead of that take um, court action immediately or how, how do you enforce that? How do you deal with that on typically? Or do you just send them a friendly, normal, regular letter beforehand or um, how do you deal with that? That's a, a really excellent question. What we do is tailored to the individual circumstances that we find. For example, um, and, and what's unusual about what we do is that there are so many people out there that know about the reputation of Idaho potatoes. Most of the time where there is an indication that the mark is either being improperly used or not being used in accordance with the licensing requirements, we will get people calling or writing us and telling us about it. So we had, for example, uh, about two months ago, a company in Texas that somebody in Oregon realized that they were using one of our marks improperly. They sent us an email 
we did some exploratory work. We found out that we actually knew this company, knew the individual, and um, had worked with him before. So I was able to use a very friendly approach. Uh, he corrected his website uh, almost immediately, wrote us an apology letter, uh, asked to become a licensee so that he could correctly use our marks. And, and that was a, a very uh, easy way of resolving a potential problem. On the other side of it, we have had people who ignore us, don't want to change where we've had to use, um, for example, an outside law firm or a letter from our attorney general, just tailored to the circumstances. The one thing we don't want to do is alienate people. If we can educate them to bring them into accord without uh, a, um, a demand letter or a cease and desist letter, that's what we like to do. Yes. Okay. I understand exactly how I prefer to deal with things because usually any aggression will lead to counter aggression. And then the only people who really earn money are the attorneys and not the parties. <laughs> yes. You, you, that hits the nail right on the head. Well, um, <laughs> what I have seen in this, in, in this particular context is this. Um, when trademark owners and certification marks, of course, are a form of a trademark, when, when they become very aggressive in their approach, that can lead to protracted litigation. Um, the, yes, we have to be vigilant. We have to be protective. But we also have to do it in a fashion that tries to get to the right solution without necessarily involving expensive, time-consuming proceedings. Right. Maybe um, you can tell our listeners, like, um, do you have an example where you enforced the geographic indicator, Idaho? And maybe can you have an example where you enforced the certification mark, Idaho potatoes? So within the context of the GI system, particularly the way that it's developed within the European Union, uh, we have a very difficult time achieving official recognition. And that's because of the situation I described earlier, where in the EU, to get a geographic indicator actually recognized, you have to be the producer group. So if we were to assert that we were the producer group, we would be subjecting our certification mark to a challenge, a potential challenge for cancellation in the U.S. because we have to say that we are the third party that does the certification, not the group that produces the product. So our, our problem, uh, we are working with people in the EU to try to arrive at a recognition where we could become officially recognized. Um, within the context of enforcement though, we have not had a problem uh, because we have been able to rely upon the reputation of the Idaho potato, which is well known across the world 
as a great potato product. And we've been able to successfully prevent the improper use of Idaho in a wide range of countries, Turkey, China, Argentina, uh, within uh, Germany, even uh, the UK. Uh, we've been able to, um, when we found an improper use, work with the party and get it corrected. Mm. I understand. Um, before the interview, we briefly chatted about possible things to talk about. And one thing that came to mind was also product safety and food safety in particular. Um, did you have, did you see problems in the past where people were selling potatoes that were detrimental to human health or maybe it you want to talk about that? Yeah, it hasn't been as big a problem in the potato context because Potatoes, before they are generally eaten, go through a kill step uh, where um, any problem with that particular product is usually dealt with by baking or processing. But within the context of food and food fraud, um, it is a major problem. Whether you're talking about seafood, dairy ingredients, meat, poultry, Beverages, particularly alcoholic beverages, uh, herbs, spices, seasonings, vegetable oil, honey and olive oil all come to mind as uh, areas where there is a, a, a lot of food that people are buying uh, that, for example, is represented as crab when it's really shark meat uh, or that this particular seafood came from a particular area when it really did not. Uh, it's reached such a, a level that within the US in just the last month, the people in the olive oil industry are asking that the Food and Drug Administration try to begin regulating what types of olive oil can be sold, what grades and where it comes from because there is a lot of um, product being sold under labels that are not appropriate and true. Right. So um, sometimes uh, people deal with that uh, using unfair competition law. But, uh, for example, if you label something like olive oil from Greece and it's actually not, then it's unfair, of course. Um, but uh, you could also, of course, do that uh, by using certification marks or geographic indicators, right? Yes, you certainly can. And when you mention that, uh, there's been uh, a lot of publicity about a recent lawsuit filed by the Kona coffee growers. And they have filed a number of complaints against a number of companies saying that a lot of the coffee that's being represented as a Kona coffee or a Kona blend does not contain any Kona grown coffee at all. And they're bringing that under unfair competition laws. Mm -hmm. As an alternative to geographic indicators or certification marks, right? Um, maybe returning to, to your first, uh, to, to the thing you said um, before, the difficulty to get geographic indicators recognized in the EU. Um, 
you said that only the the group of producers can really enforce geographic indicators and on the other hand the the owners of certification marks cannot be the producers they can just be the entity who watches over the the quality basically um so there there's a problem is is how how do you think you can address that would there be would there be need for a second entity that is representing the group of the growers or um do the does the certification mark owner be a different entity than the people who are enforcing the geographic indicators in the eu we're uh, we're hoping that we can arrive at an accommodation and understanding that there should not be that kind of barrier in place and that in essence that we are because of the uh, unique way that we are statutorily created that we fit within the eu system and we are um, working to get that recognition achieved because we it's my belief that the purpose of both a gi and a certification mark are very similar if not identical, in that you're trying to ensure to the consumer, the public, that they are getting the genuine product and that it is quality and safe for them to use. And as food safety becomes more and more of an issue, so does traceability. And there's nothing better to achieve traceability than to have certification or geographic indicator protection in place because then there's a group that really wants to protect their reputation and they will uh, be very helpful in making sure that the product is genuine and that it's safe very good point um traceability so traceability is uh, can have different aspects right um it can have the the aspect that you just talked about but also like physical measures how to trace a product from the producer to the consumer um do you have s such systems in place for idaho potatoes like how to track whether the potato really comes from a grower in idaho and then is sold somewhere we we do have a very effective licensing system uh, where everybody in the process to be legitimate has to have a license agreement in place with us and they have to identify the product in accordance with the standards that we have established. We also can look to science to help us out. For example, um, most people, I'm don't think would know this, but potatoes are clonal. And that means that a potato of a particular variety uh, will all be genetically distinct, but identical. So mm -hmm. you take a potato and uh, typically they are uh, planted as a seed piece. That seed piece then is um, grown and we 
have done experiments where you can look at a potato that is genetically identical except for where it was grown. And that potato will look nothing like the other potato. You would not even know that they are the same variety of potato because they look so totally different. So that's one of the techniques that we use as how to identify an Idaho potato. Wow. So you have like a um, real biotech laboratory in-house basically, or how do you do that? <laughs> um, we use uh, a couple of state universities, one, the University of Idaho. And then we also use the uh, facilities at Michigan State University. Michigan State um, is one of those places that has taken the lead um, in uh, food products. Uh, they've created a center for anti-counterfeiting and product protection that is devoted to making sure that food is not counterfeit food in the marketplace. Mm. Very, very interesting. Okay. Because I also have other clients who have like really high-tech solutions because they don't have the 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 ease of having a product that is always monoclonal that always has the same dma so they have to like put in certain you know tracers like little nanoparticles that always look the same or something like for example producers of of um, paint or something they can mix in some certain nanoparticles that are always the same to see whether it's an original or not or yeah other more more expensive things but this is really a very easy way to find out whether a potato was grown in idaho or not so looks sounds very convenient and i guess dna analysis becomes more and more inexpensive and easier so yeah very good way to go to trace the product back to the original producer and that's also <clears throat> currently what the uh, grocery store, the retailer, is required to do under the Food Safety Modernization Act. They have to be able to go from fork to farm. And as part of that, we are working with them to help them understand that we can be of assistance should there ever be an issue that requires them to do a product recall. So it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, where did you see, you, you have worked for the Idaho Potato Commission for quite a while now. Um, where did you see the biggest challenges for the Potato Idaho Commission uh, in your years there? Um, <clears throat> moving into the future, I believe that the biggest challenges are going to be the emerging of new technologies. Um, agriculture is poised. Uh, we, we, we really have done everything that could be done under the what they called the green revolution uh, in terms of food protect, production and food safety. Now we're coming into uh, an exciting era 
of artificial intelligence, of drones being used uh, in agriculture, of uh, technologies emerging in genetics, CRISPR technology in particular, that um, will change the way that food is produced. And it's exciting, uh, but it's also a little bit, uh, a little bit terrifying uh, when you look at all of the potential ramifications that could take place. Exciting in the sense that you will see uh, fewer hands producing food products, but you also see better quality food products as a result of these emerging technologies. Yes, and of course, in the hands of the bad guys, more possibilities to circumvent any protection measures, I guess. Yes. Yeah, We're, we always have to be cognizant that where there is money to be made, organized crime will follow. And there is a lot of organized crime overlap uh, in the food fraud space. It, it is, um, it, it's sad because the consumer thinks that they're getting one product, but they really aren't. And it's the ability of counterfeiters who are part of organized crime uh, to be able to move into that space and make significant amounts of money. Um, think of it this way. One of our largest markets is the New York City market. So if you can take a product that you can ship into that market at a lower cost and sell it at a premium price and the consumer buys it not knowing that, uh, you can make an, just a, uh, an unreal amount of money in a very short period of time. And that actually that's one of the biggest cases, lawsuits that we ever brought was in the New York City area. It went on for almost 13 years, and it cost the Idaho Potato Commission almost $13 million over that 13-year period of time. Wow. That's quite a sum of money. And, um, uh, yeah, so uh, the legal system in the U.S. is very different from, from the German system. So maybe for the listeners from Germany, in the US, typically each party pays their own bill, basically, in a legal fight. In very few exceptions, there is um, reimbursement of fees. Uh, so I guess even if you won, uh, you had to pay all these fees, right? Yeah, we, we did. We, we, we don't have a loser pay kind of a system in the US right. large. Right. And yes. Um, My, my, but at, at the other side of it, uh, by spending that money and taking the position that we did, we sent a message to people that might cheat that we were willing to do what it took to bring somebody to justice and hold them accountable. Yes, that's important, of course. Um, 
So we already talked uh, quite a long time about certification marks um, in particular. If um, listeners are interested in certification marks and they feel they might be useful for their field of business, what are the most important tips that you can give them? What, what should they know before diving into the adventure of certification marks? <laughs> certification marks have to have meaning uh, and you have to be willing to protect them and you have to be willing to take the necessary steps to ensure that there is marketplace recognition of what the product is that's being certified. So you, you can't go into it thinking that it is a cheap, inexpensive way of protecting your brand. We've been involved as a state entity for over 80 years. And we have spent during that period of time, literally hundreds of millions of dollars that have been paid for by the Idaho potato industry to create the brand that we have got. And that brand recognition is that when people are asked in the US, where does a potato come from? 88% of them believe that the potatoes come from Idaho. The next closest category is I don't know. Uh, and there's no other growing region in the United States that has that kind of recognition that we have built over these 80 plus years. So my advice would be this. If you're going to go into this and you want to protect your product and you believe in your product, then take the steps right at the beginning to file for protection, to ensure that you've got a quality product and to take that quality product to the marketplace and identify it to the consumer with product recognition techniques, whether it's advertising, promotion, uh, any aspect of that product that you can tout to make it unique, push that forward. Very good. So if people still have questions about certification marks or geographic indicators, um, where could they reach you best or where could they find out more about the Idaho Potato Commission? So our website, of course, is a really good spot to take a look, uh, idahopotatoes.com. Uh, I think the there's a number of great uh, legal minds, uh, whether you're talking about McCarthy or it just uh, Gilson, those people have, have looked at this topic and they've uh, written, I think, very thoughtful commentaries on it. Um, there's been good work done by the International Trademark Association on this topic. Uh, great work done on GIs by the group known as Origin, uh, which is a, a, a wonderful organization headquartered in Switzerland. Um, yet They, they have a catalog of different products that they uh, recognized as being protected in different jurisdictions. But those are the kind of resources that I would look to if I had additional questions. Well, thank you very much, Patrick, for spending your time today and being on the interview today. Well, thank you, Ralph. 
it's always fun to be able to do a little bit of proselytizing, you know? <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you very much. Take care. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.